Greetings this February 7th of 2021 from the First Love Ministries at First Presbyterian Church in Jacksonville, Illinois. Thank you for tuning in to us once again. Reverend Siobhan Warren titled her sermon today, Caring for Yourself. Our special music is performed by Donna Stair singing, I Need Thee Every Hour. Our first scripture reading is Isaiah 40, 21 through 31. Our gospel reading is Mark 1, 29 through 39. If you have a hymnal around your house or wherever you are, please pick it up and join us singing hymn 792, There is a Balm in Gilead. Our second hymn, 526, is let us talents and tongues employ. Our last hymn, 366, we are only singing verse 1 and 3. Divine all loves excelling. We'll be praying for your family and friends and neighbors and pray also that you have a safe and successful upcoming week. God bless until we meet again. Next Sunday, I have an exciting announcement. You heard it during our congregational meeting, but we are launching a new Facebook group called uh, First Pres Jack's Community. It's not live yet. It'll be live next Sunday, and it will have things daily. It'll share daily scriptures every morning. It'll have different study sessions, so I'll have a class, and if you want to look more at that class, there's a, a note in the bulletin about it. There's going to be a time for prayer, uh, on Mondays in the evening, I'll have a live Facebook to do um, uh, discussing the sermon. So if you have a question during the sermon, you could jot that down, share it on Monday, and, or even um, live at that, at that time, and I'll try to work on answering that. I think that'll be kind of a, a neat and exciting tool to use. It, really what it's trying to do is create discipleship and community which we are very good as a church family, but we can, we can invite others into that mix as well. The scripture reading is from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 21 to 31. Let us listen to the word of God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows upon them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these? Who brings out their host and numbers, and numbers them, calling them all by name? Because he is great in strength, mighty in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, 
the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I think I'm going under, part the waters, Lord. When I feel the waves around me, calm the sea. When I cry for help, oh, hear me, Lord, and hold out your hand. Touch my life, still the raging storm in me. Our gospel reading this morning is from the first chapter of Mark, beginning with verse 29. 
As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, Jesus got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is searching for you. He answered, let us go to the neighboring town so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So is anybody else here part of the New Year's Resolution Club? You know what that means? When December rolls around each year, you start itching to make a fresh start. So I like to make lists. I make lists of things that I want to do next year, and I make lists of things that I don't want to do next year. I make lists of books I'm going to read and closets I'm going to clean, and when it's January 1st, I am ready. Who's with me? Oh, I see some hands. <laughs> I'm not the only one. So a month has gone by. It's the beginning of February. And it's time to ask ourselves, how's it going? Have you done anything on any of your lists? For me, I've cleaned one closet. I read two books that were on my list and two books that were not on my list. And although I faithfully wrote in my journal every day for 19 days straight, right now it's sitting on my bed table under five eat healthy cookbooks that I'm not cooking from. So a quick internet search shows that I'm not alone. The average American's New Year's resolution is given up sometime between January 18th and February 14th. So I'm happy to report that I am right on schedule. Even though changing our habits can be really hard to do, there's a lot of good behind these good intentions, isn't there? Eating more vegetables is a legitimately good idea. Getting more sleep is not really a suggestion. It's something we really need. And what about this self-help phrase that has found its way into our lexicon lately called self-care? Maybe this is not your New Year's resolution, but have anybody, has anybody tried to practice self-care? I've come across this idea all over the place, online, in magazines, on the radio, even whole books are devoted to this idea of self-care. Oprah Magazine, in a recent article, suggested these activities. To light a candle, take a bath, look at cute animal pictures, declutter a drawer, get a houseplant, Meditate for five minutes. Now, these are all good activities, and honestly, I'll bet if you would look at pictures of my very cute dog for five minutes, you would have a smile on your face. But when we make it our goal to care for ourselves, to care for our bodies and our souls, 
especially now when we're living in the midst of this pandemic, these clever lists of easy and simple fixes just don't cut it. Scripture shows us what Jesus liked to do when things got to be too much for him. More than once when life got hectic, when he'd been in a huge crowd, when he'd been called on to preach to groups of thousands, Jesus went off by himself to pray. He found a quiet spot away from everybody else, and he talked to God. That sounds like a good tool to put in our self-care toolbox, doesn't it? Let's look closer at today's gospel reading. Jesus and his freshly appointed disciples are in the town of Capernaum, which, by the way, is where many of them, including Jesus, had their homes. When I traveled there last year, just before COVID, I could really see the story play out, and I want to unfold the scene for you. Jesus stood up in the local synagogue to preach his first sermon, so to speak, and everyone was amazed, Mark tells, tells us. They were astounded by his authority. Jesus cast out a demon who was the only being in the whole room who recognized him for who he really was, the Son of God. And when the service was over, Jesus and his disciples did what everybody does after church. They looked at each other and said, so where do you want to go for lunch? Peter and Andrew's house was not far from the synagogue, about as far as we are from Illinois College campus. So off they went. But when they were there, they found Peter's mother-in-law in bed with a fever. And Jesus healed her, and she was so completely well that she pitched in to make the food for lunch. Well, after casting out a demon and healing a sick woman, the news of Jesus spread so quickly through the little town of Capernaum that there was no time for a leisurely lunch that Sunday. Because people came from all over the place to be healed by this rabbi, by Jesus. Mark says the whole city was gathered around their door. And it is after all of this that Jesus sought out some quiet time for himself. Mark tells us in the morning, while it was still very dark, Jesus got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. And when they found him, they said to him, everyone is searching for you. I'll say it again. I think there's really a lesson to be heard in this story. When things are too busy, when it feels like the whole town is at our door asking for something, that's when we need to take a little time. Not to take a time to take a bubble bath or look at animal photos, but some true rest for our souls. Even God rested on the seventh day of creation and commands us to do the same. Well, author Sarah Bessie writes about this idea in her book, Miracles and Other Reasonable Things. She outlines the difference between self-care and what she calls self-comfort. After being involved in a terrible car accident, Sarah suddenly went from an active mother of four to an invalid, unable to work, almost unable to walk, and trying to find out how to live her life in a new reality. Sarah pointed out that other women her age would talk about self-care in terms of wine time or binge-watching for the weekend. 
But I knew, she said, if I engaged in that version of self-care, I would self-care myself right into alcoholism or crisis or both. Those things help in the moment, but my life was more than a moment to me. I needed good paths to follow toward life, toward abundant life. I needed to go to my doctor's appointments, Sarah says. I had to take my medications faithfully. I had to show up to follow-up visits. I had to adjust my schedule and my work expectations and my crippling belief that God loves me more when I work hard. And then Sarah wonders, perhaps self-care is simply joining with God to care for ourselves as our mother would. Well, there are a lot of places in Scripture where God is referred to as a father. Jesus called God his father and taught us to pray our father. But there's a couple of places in Scripture where God is referred to as our mother. There's a reason Scripture shows us so many different ways that we can relate to God. Some of us find nothing more comforting than visually visualizing God to be just like our dad's even only more amazing. And some of us sincerely hope that God is nothing like our earthly fathers. And so we need more expansive metaphors for God. Some of us can really see God as a nurturing mother who shares attributes with our own mothers, showering us with unconditional love and kindness. But some of us might relate most to God as a shepherd or an eagle or a rock or a king. All of these different ideas are not an accident in Scripture. They were written into Scripture to broaden and expand the ways that we think about God. And the truth is, God is so big and so multifaceted that no human description could ever be adequate. Maybe one of these ideas, or maybe each of them in turn, can help us to grasp something about the nature of God. As Sarah Bessie thought about what real self-care meant, she imagined that God was like a tender, caring mother. She said, it's nice to be mothered. No wonder my own children like it so much. Whenever my children have a fall or a cold, I often bundle them up in my arms and say, oh, you poor wee lamb. It was a joke at first. I did it with my big kids when I thought they needed an over-excess of sympathy. And I always said it with a thick Scottish accent. So they would laugh and cheer up. But Sarah says, by the time my youngest was born, it had evolved into a tender phrase, still in a terrible Scottish accent, whispered over them in times of pain and in grief. While my hand smoothed their hair from feverish foreheads, or when I bandaged up a knee, or when I sat beside their bedside after a hard day, I saw how they melted and exhaled when I said, poor wee lamb. Sarah told the story of the time her two-year-old fell and skinned her knee while out with the babysitter. And even though the babysitter had bandaged the knee competently, upon seeing Sarah, her daughter ran to her and said, mommy, please call me a poor wee lamb. It wasn't better until mother's love was lavished upon it. 
And you know what? Sometimes we need to be called a poor wee lamb too. Sometimes the bandage isn't enough. And what our souls desperately crave is the reassurance of unconditional love. Sarah sums up her musing about self-care by taking this metaphor as God as mother to the next level. If God was a strong, patient, wise, kind, no-nonsense, deeply loving mother, what would she want for me today? She imagines God saying to her, you have had eight cups of coffee today, you've been on your computer for far too long, your whole body is crying. It's time to shut down the laptop, get some fresh air, and eat a vegetable. If God was speaking to you and to me as a mother, what would God have to say to us? God wouldn't ask us to indulge in the self-comfort of puppy pictures and drawer tidying. God might ask us to take a good look at the amount of screen time we're using and the amount of prayer that we're committed to. God might say to us like Sarah that we need to eat our vegetables, to go to the doctor, to keep up with our medication. God might remind us that if taking some time to himself to be alone and to pray was a good solution for Jesus, that just might be a good solution for us, too. Well, right now, we're a little more than a week away from the beginning of Lent, or as I sometimes like to call it, New Year's Resolution Reboot. Because you see, right in the middle of February, right when you realize that all of your best intentions have fizzled out, then you realize you can start over again. Now, I wish you could see Jonathan over here rolling his eyes at me, because first of all, this is absolutely not what this season of Lent is about. And secondly, he watches me do this cycle every single year. But in all seriousness, when we contemplate Lent, the 40 days of preparation before Easter, we often choose something that we want to give up. This reminds us of the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness without food and water. This is meant to be a spiritual fast, not a handy church-wide diet plan or a chance to cut back on our caffeine. But what if you chose to do something that was really radical this year? What if you stopped engaging in self-comfort when what you really need is self-care? What if you put down your phone and picked up your Bible? What if you stopped scrolling through social media and started praying? What if you limited the amount of time you spend watching the news and started thinking about what God is asking you to do to bring peace to your corner of the world. Maybe this year, more than ever, we are in need of giving ourselves that care that our bodies and our minds and our souls really need. As we approach the one-year anniversary of this pandemic, as we think about Lent last year, when we couldn't imagine having an Easter service outside of our church walls. What we really need is for God to take us up and whisper, you poor wee lamb, I am your shepherd. In all the ways that we relate to God as mother or father, 
a shepherd or king, God gives us the tools that we need to care for ourselves so that we can live life and live it abundantly. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you found this material inspiring and would like to support our ministry here at First Love from the First Presbyterian Church of Jacksonville, Illinois, please send contributions to First Presbyterian Church, 870 West College, Jacksonville, Illinois, 62650. You can also contribute through your financial institution, through bill pay. And if an account number is necessary, please use 870-870-870. Our phone number at First Presbyterian Church, Jacksonville, Illinois, is 217-245-4189. Our email is office at firstpresjax.org. That's O-F-F-I-C-E at F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-J-A-X dot O-R-G. You can join our live stream video of Sunday services, which start at 9.55 a.m. on Sunday at www.facebook.com slash firstpresjacks. That's www.facebook.com slash firstpresjacks. We also have a Facebook page called Presbyterians with a Purpose at www.facebook.com slash groups slash 22176138. Presbyterians for a Purpose is a group for anyone needing to get in contact with someone else during these challenging times. If you wish to attend our 10 a.m. services on Sunday in person, please come in the north door. A nurse will take your temperature. The nurse will then press a button to open the door to limit touching surfaces. Another volunteer will open the inner door. While moving around, please wear your mask. Once seated, you can remove your mask. We pray you have a safe, joyful, and healthy week. God bless.